Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This morning we hear Jesus exclaim, O faithless and perverse generation, and then he asks, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Our Lord, seeing the lack of faith, seeing the perversity, the dispersed or disordered desire of those around him, his own disciples who he's been teaching, leading, praying with, breaking bread with, showing himself to them. They don't know what to do with what they've seen time and time again. Faithless and perverse generation. If our Lord can exclaim that with among his disciples, I can't imagine what he would say today. For we are without faith, and we are perverse. We especially see this in our lack of a pursuit of truth. Truth that requires from us everything. Because the truth is everything. It's what holds it all together. What we have today when we talk about truth, if we talk about truth, we're kind of like Pilate, what is truth? We usually want to say it's just facts. It's just things that we can measure. It's things that we can know through a very specific, either the scientific method, uh, which shows a little bit of a lack of understanding how science works, because it's not just bare facts, and that's that. Maybe it's because we have Google, we can have all sorts of access to things, or YouTube, or whoever's got a channel on YouTube, or a podcast. <laughs> it used to be a blog, but now it's a podcast, right? <laughs> we are after... Whatever tickles our fancy, truth has taken a back seat because we have facts, we have information. Besides this, or maybe deriving from this, which is more fundamental, is we've lost confidence that we can even know anything like truth. We lack the confidence because we've undermined it. We're cynical, we're sarcastic, we're ironic. We don't want really to accept or believe there's truth because you know what happens if you accept or believe that there's truth. It at least summons or asks you to have to change, to do something different. We are a faithless and a perverse generation. We celebrate today the loss of John the Baptist, 
his beheading. We celebrate John the Baptist's ministry. We last night sung about the feast that we are in, the banquet of blood, as the hymnody tells us. But I want us to take a moment and look, not at John the forerunner, but I want us to look at Herod. Because you can see in Herod, well, I see myself, and I think we can see a faithless and perverse generation. What our Lord exclaimed, we can see it in Herod. Herod has put John in prison, as we read in the gospel this morning. He's put John in prison because John has spoken an inconvenient truth. That he, against the law, is with his brother's wife. John has the audacity to speak the truth, to have the courage to be able to speak it, not in hushed tones privately, but out in front, in the open square, in front of the person that he's talking to. Not gossip, not slander, but a call to repentance. So what does Herod do with this? Well, his wife, the one who should not be his wife, the one, the woman that he's with, doesn't like John. So what does Herod do? Throws him in prison. And the scriptures tells us that Herod is afraid of John. He fears him. Because when we hear the truth, as we all do, there's a little stirring in our stomach when we know that somebody's saying the truth and yet we really don't want to hear it. Knowing that John was a just and holy man, he protected him. When he heard John and the things that John did, he actually heard him gladly. Herod's in an odd spot. Herod likes John. He probably even thinks John has good things to say. He was probably nodding his head. That's right, John. We aren't following the law. That's right, John. We don't do the things that we're supposed to be doing. That's right, John. You know what? I know that you're a just man. You're a holy man. And even protects him. Because if John is saying this to King Herod, you know that John is going around and telling all sorts of people, this is what you need to do in order to repent. I'm sure he got a few cold shoulders. Then it comes to the birthday party. Herod is kind of on the fence, right? He knows what John is about. He believes him. He's protecting him. But he's also listening to his wife, Herodias. So he's got to please... I keep saying wife. I don't, I don't know if that's actually accurate. <laughs> the woman that he is with. The woman that he has in his home. His brother's wife. Then there's a party. The high officers, the chief men of Galilee, Herodias and Herodias' daughter comes. The king, after seeing her dance, after desiring yet someone else that he should not have and cannot have, starts making promises starts asking whatever you want 
I will give you half of my kingdom. So she goes, because she knows her mother has advanced in her social status. So what can I, obviously Herodias knows how to work things. So she's going to go to her mother. What shall I ask? The head of John the Baptist is what Herodias responds. The text tells us immediately she came with haste, not just immediately and quickly. There's not even skipping of a beat. All right, you want the head of John the Baptist? Okay, sounds great. Let's go. The king, when he hears what Herodias' daughter wants, the gospel tells us was exceedingly sorry. The first thing that we can learn from Herod is that truth is not something that we can kind of gawk at or toy with, assent to, but not act upon. Because this is not a true relationship with truth. This is distant truth, where you hear something, you assent to it, you know it's true, but you're not really willing to do anything about it. So when it comes, you can kind of put this under the moniker or the the title, faithless, right? When it comes down to the act of having to now, the truth is really, the rubber is hitting the road. What are you going to do? Herod's mind and heart were already spinning. The perversity. Wanting something. Going for something. Promising things that he should not, could not provide. He was sorry, yet because, the gospel tells us, of his oaths, his promises. And because of those who sat with him and who's sitting with him, it's nobles and high officers. If we're already gawking at truth, not committed to actually accomplishing or fulfilling or coming into communion with truth, our desire is roving around to fulfill itself. No matter what, we're not going to be able to see the truth. We have already, therefore, made promises and we are ready to be swayed by our peers. No matter what that content is. Because we have already compromised ourselves. We do not actually love truth. We do not actually seek it out and try to get our desire to follow that truth. So when the test comes, we're going to be sorry, but we're going to collapse. We're going to cave in because of the promises, the people that surround us, the voices that we listen to instead of the voice of truth. John the Baptist stands in complete opposition, or if you want to say these are like a diptych, right? You have Herod on one side, and we have John the Baptist on the other. John the Baptist does not live in the lap of luxury, in his pursuit 
of truth makes him uh, dress a little funny. He's out of step with, he, as the Old Testament scriptures, does not wear fine clothing because that is something, if you read the prophets, right? They start talking about when things start going wrong, when everyone gets comfortable, when everyone starts uh, focusing and majoring on all of the extra things. John the Baptist, in his pursuit in the desert, in his asceticism, in his camel skin, in his locust eating, is not just doing it as a kind of side hobby. It's because his entire life is dedicated to the pursuit of truth, to the obedience of the law, to the obedience of God. Perversity, his desire, is ordered correctly. He is able to see. He is able to proclaim. He is able to not be influenced by his peers or oaths or promises because he's made none except to God. He has courage. Herod is a coward. Herod is tossed to and fro. John the Baptist stands resolute. He may struggle here and there, as it may seem in the Gospel of John, when he sends his disciples and have them ask, after he's even baptized our Lord, and asks Jesus, are you really him? Maybe he's wavering a bit in the prison. But we know that he ends his life in martyrdom. When the disciples are taken aback by our Lord's comments and questions to them, faithless and perverse generation, they go to him privately and they ask, why could we not cast it out? What is wrong? Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Brothers and sisters, we need to pursue the truth. It needs to become our entirety. We need to pursue it with doggedness, with an incredible resoluteness. To go where the truth takes us, to stand there, and to proclaim it. We will only be able to do this if we follow the example of John the Baptist. Prayer and fasting. We will be, like the Apostle Paul says in the epistle, a spectacle to the world. But we will maintain the kingdom the Lord God will remember us in his kingdom. Even if the Herods, the Herodias's, and the Herodias's daughters turn against us, betray us, may we ever speak, pursue, and witness to the truth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.